0: Godan The season is once again upon us, where I must entertain the tripartite aspect of the Yuletide holiday. Not the father, son, or the holy ghost, nor am I talking about Odin, Thor, or Frey. Maybe I'm talking about the priest, the warrior, and the provider? No. Well, actually, in a way, I may be talking about all of these like a hall of fucking mirrors. The angles you can see it from and indeed its illusions just never seem to end. There is of course the Christian holiday of Christmas which we all celebrate one way or another either because we are Christians ourselves or participants of one of the many secular offshoots and reinventions of the holiday. And then there's the winter solstice which many choose to celebrate sometimes mistaking it for the true reason for the season. If you are a regular consumer of my content, you'll probably know that this is a personal bugbear of mine. Sure, the winter solstice is nice and all, but there's just no evidence to place it in the center of attention of the pagan Scandinavian Yuletide holiday. So if you want to toss some gestures of remembrance to the ways of yore, there are better times to do it. The pre-Christian Scandinavian midwinter feast of Yule was not celebrated on the solstice, but calculated based on a lunisolar calendar that used the solstice as a sort of correcting principle that determined the layout of the ritual cultic year. The yule feast and sacrifices were performed on the first full moon following the new moon after the solstice. That is to say, in the full moon of the month after the solstice itself. By any means, don't drop your holiday plans. Do whatever you please. Consider this an invitation to celebrate yet another holiday instead. I have a comprehensive article on this, which I will link to in the show notes below, and many of you guys have already read it. I update it every year though, with the exact date of the upcoming Yule Moon, in this case January 10th, 2020. But there is so much more to this system, and I understand that it's damn hard to keep up. Even I struggle. There's not exactly a wealth of resources available to the wider public either. Well, it hasn't been until now. Wouldn't it be great if you could carry the Old Norse lunisolar calendar with you in your pocket at all times, in a nifty little passport-sized booklet, maybe? Well, the company Kuellontungl have published just such a calendar, available for $17 on Etsy. This is really great stuff. It's a no-nonsense almanac with space for your own notes, it contains the Old Norse names for the months, the days of the week, and the pre-Christian holidays of the first half of the year, as well as the corresponding dates in the Gregorian calendar, so you never have to be confused. This is a clean, no-nonsense, educational and cultic tool that fits right in your pocket. Completely neutral, minimalist design for the serious practitioner or discerning Scandi futurist available in English and Norwegian editions, and soon also available in Old High German and Old English. This 40-page booklet accounts for the first six months of the year, and the second half of the year will be available in the first half of 2020. Quell on tungl. Find their shop in the show notes below. Well, now that we have that out of the way, let's proceed with today's episode, a holiday special about the Icelandic saint Thorlak and his miracles. My name is Erik Storusson, and you're listening to the Brute Norse podcast, where we walk backwards into the future. consumed so little food that he seemed on the verge of death those times when he suffered the most. And as far as alcohol was concerned, the drinks he had never seemed to affect him. He was so blessed with alcohol that ale never failed when he blessed it, and made the sign of the cross over with his hands when it was being brewed. He was so unpretentious and friendly at drinking parties that he accepted all conduct as long as it was proper but when he drank water or non-intoxicating drinks. He did it so moderately and with such abstinence that he took three sips or five or seven, but for the most part, never more than that. The thing I just read to you is a passage from the Saga of Bishop Forlack, the drinking heavyweight champion of Norse Christianity, and also patron saint of Iceland. Given that last year's Brute Norse holiday special had a distinctly pagan flair, I thought it was only proper to give some credits to the Christian heritage of the Nordic Yuletide, with a special on St. Thorlak and his miracles, whose feast day is December 23rd, at least in areas where he was venerated and recognized as a saint, which is historically limited to Iceland and certain parts of western and northern Norway, though there is some indication that his cult also spread to England. In some parts of central Norway and western Sweden, The night before the night is better known as Sjörsmass, or Sjörsmässa, after a seemingly forgotten local Swedo-Norwegian saint Sjör, or Sigurdr in Old Norse. But no such saint exists in any of our sources, leading to various speculations, One perhaps far-fetched idea is that Sturzmanns refers to none other than the pagan mythological hero Sigurðr, the dragon slayer, which isn't as idiotic as it sounds, given that Sigurd was already one of the great heroic figures of Scandinavian folk tradition, and he was quite early on absorbed into the Christian worldview. This is evidenced by the fact that he is a constantly recurring feature of Christian monuments and architecture in the 11th through 13th centuries. You know runestones and stave churches, that sort of thing. There are even Old Norse travel guides for Christian pilgrims that refer to the alleged tomb of Sigurd as a point of interest on the way to Rome. If memory serves, I think Sigurd is even listed among the pagans freed by Jesus during his brief descent into hell between his crucifixion and resurrection. So if not exactly a saint, Sigurd was widely regarded as a pagan in the noblest form that Christianity was willing to accept. As for the possibility of a lost, local, central Scandinavian saint, there's no shortage of historical candidates, including kings and bishops, as Sigurd was one of the most popular names in the Nordic Middle Ages. But we have no way of knowing, exactly, who the fuck it might be. Hence the reality behind Schur's Mass is lost to the sense of time. Some have even tried to tie it to a vernacular euphemism for the devil, referring to him by the name of Gammelschur, or Old Schur. The name Shur also sounds quite similar to the word for magpie in many Scandinavian dialects, leading to a folk story about Sjursmas being named after a legendary magpie that overslept because it couldn't tell night from day in the darkness of the subarctic Scandinavian winter around the time of the winter solstice. Anyway, the man known as Thorlaker Thorhalsson was born in Flåslid, Iceland, in 1133. Now, if you're an Icelander living around the time that this saga was written, even if it is specifically about Thorlak the saint, you might be slightly confused. Because, in fact, there were two bishops living in Iceland by the name of Thorlak shortly after each other, and this is preemptively addressed by the author of Thorlak's saga. I would even venture to say that the saga goes out of its way to make a point out of the fact that the other bishop Thorlac died the exact same year as our Thorlac was born. So, to recap, the bishop Thorlac dies, and then these parents, who are totally unrelated, decide to call their newborn son Thorlac as well. Why would they do such a thing? Well, actually, it makes total sense. People often want their children to be named after great personalities, elites and celebrities. Take my name, for example. Erik and Erik, you know, Erik, are popular names in Scandinavia because they were originally royal names. Now... The Icelandic Commonwealth, in its independence, never really had a king, really. Uh, That position of an elevated public representative was sort of filled by the bishop. So the audience of the saga might be inclined to think that Thorlak was named after the recently deceased Bishop Thorlak. No! The saga wants you to know that this is not the case! Thorlach was not named after the bishop by his parents, he's actually called Thorlach because God wanted them to have the same name, and that's totally different! I don't know, it's... hard to bend your mind around. But even in childhood, Thorlach showed great intellectual capacity. He studied abroad in England, if you had to know, and later returned to be lauded as one of the most learned men in all of Iceland. He was also ordained bishop, of course, and founded Iceland's first Augustinian monastery. Later, he performed some miracles and ultimately became Iceland's patron saint after his death. All in all, things turned out pretty well for Thorlac, but it didn't really start out that way. His family struggled with poverty, which led to his parents' divorce. And on top of the squalor and domestic issues, Thorlak suffered a speech impediment that made talking slow and painful for him. I don't know if you remember the opening quotes to this podcast, but that could be because he starved himself and never drank water. I can only speak from my own experience as a podcaster. Back in those days, it wasn't uncommon for Norse clergy to fornicate like wild men. But the saga states that when the community tried to pressure Thorlak into hooking up with a local widow and breed her like the stuttering medieval hard-drinking Icelandic pony stallion man that he was, our dude Froelac found the strength to just say no, spending his life in completely voluntary celibacy, which was a far cry from many of his Nordic colleagues who were slam-dunking hoes from Jutland to Nidaros, leaving trails of bastard children wherever they went. Going back to the speech issues, it's reasonable to assume that this was congenital. But the question remains whether we should see this and other quirks of his persona as symptoms of some kind of syndrome. Cuz you better believe that some have gone as far as to imply that Thorlac might even have been autistic. There's actually a minor modern movement dedicated to establishing Thorlach as the patron saint of autism. I mean, why not? It's not as if these people didn't exist in the past. Though I'm not really sure if Thorlac is any more autistic than your average medieval Christian saint. But then again, I guess I'm more than a little excited about the prospect of any movement dedicated to bringing Thorlac to public attention, so all the more power to you, I guess. What is there not to love about Saint Thorlac? A saint who loves beer, loves the strictly platonic company of women, loves animals, doesn't mind if you're sick or shitty loves to bless stuff, loves to make amazing booze. One miracle is the story about a farmer who once struggled to make his beer ferment. And if you listen to the episodes dedicated to the history of beer in Norse culture, you'd know that beer was somewhat of a seasonal luxury, in Iceland especially. A bad batch could ruin the holidays, and brewing for the sacred season was technically also the law. So the farmer managed to get hold of a staff once owned by the holy bishop Thorlac and dipped it into the fermentation vat, whereupon it immediately took to ferment and became, apparently, an overly good and strong ale. But beer was not the only thing he blessed. The saga states in chapter 8 that holy water blessed by Thorlac was a cure-all. It worked on men and women, and even animals, and worked every time except for the times it didn't. As for Thorlac's posthumous medical miracles of which there is no shortage, it seems that the more mangled the victim, the better, which means that the chapters dedicated to his miracles make for a particularly gory reading, but that should come as no surprise for listeners familiar with the literary genre of medieval saint exploitation. Another amazing part about the cult of St. Thorlac is the amazingly specific Icelandic flair. He heals a horse after it steps into a lava vent. He loves the Icelandic parliament and hates anti-Icelandic discrimination wherever he finds it. I'm just gonna ask you once, and it's a rhetorical question. Which saint but Forlac would help a starving mother club a seal? Now for this year's Norse holiday special, I want to share with you some of my own favorite holiday miracles. I got to thinking that I might do it in the style of the read-along storybook cassettes that I loved so much in my own childhood. Regrettably, I don't actually have a storybook for you guys to leave through, but we're gonna run with it like when we were kids and just listen to the tape anyway. Now just lean back, get your favorite beverage ready. You got it? Good. It's time to get cozy. Now close your eyes and let me read to you some of my favorite Christmas miracles about St. Thorlac. Some of these are a little longer than others, but you will know that one is over when you hear this sound. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's time for another miracle. Let's start with this one. One winter's day. When Iceland was at its most icy, two women were traveling in great frost and harsh weather through the grim and frostbitten fjords. One of the women was pregnant, and since the timing seemed at rock bottom, the fates had so decreed that the woman should go into labor. And so she did, right there in the icy hellscape, far from any dwelling. It seemed to be a most dire situation, and so they prayed for Bishop Thorlak to help them. But by the time the men of the nearby village got to them, the baby was already born. So terribly hurt by Frost it was, that its bones were all crooked. One eye had popped out of its skull and dangled back and forth across its cheek, and wounds had broken out all over its body. Its skin was shriveled like a washcloth, and black as death. The head was rather lumpy. The child was rather unkissable, all things considered. When they got home, the grief-stricken mother cried out for the bishop Thorlach. She took a fistful of dirt from Thorlach's grave and put it on the baby's eyeball. Then the child immediately fell into a deep slumber, but awoke in the middle of the evening, so completely healed that it Its eye had crawled back into the socket. His bones had straightened, and his skin was smooth as silk. As for the eye that popped out, well, it wasn't exactly a looker. Once upon a time, during one of Iceland's many and terrible famines... A nice old farmer-man called upon the Bishop Forlac for help. Not long after the man had prayed, a whale washed up on the beach that the man owned, along with many other farmers in the village. The farmers all ran to marvel at the exquisite beast. Never had they seen such a big and beautiful whale, so fat with blubber, and so much sperm to rub in the eyes against all sorts of eye diseases. But the farmers ended up arguing fiercely about how they ought to divide the creature amongst themselves. And at the end of it, the old farmer was so disheartened by his own share. Why did I even bother, said the farmer. But before they got so far that they could cut and hack the whale to pieces, the tide rose and made it so that the waters washed the whale right back to the sea from whence it came. All the farmers were very sad. But shortly after... The whale washed up again, this time on a beach that only that farmer owned who had prayed to St. Forlac in the first place. Now the old farmer man had more than enough whale blubber to last him through the winter, he got nice and fat, and with all those gallons of whale sperm, his eyes had never felt better. But what about all the other farmers who did not pray to St. Forlac? You don't think that the gentle old farmer man forgot about them, did you? <laughs> no. Well. They died nonetheless. (laughs) Once upon a time in Iceland, an old married couple were chopping trees in the great Icelandic forest. And just then, while the husband was busy hewing away, the great misfortune befell them that a tree tipped over and crushed his wife. Oh God, said the husband, as he rolled the comparatively huge Icelandic tree aside, picked up his tiny, scrawny wife, stuffed her in his pocket, and ran home to put her in bed. On her bedside, the husband prayed. Please, forlak. she's the only wife I have. Have mercy on our home. The wife then fell into a deep sleep. And in her dream, she thought she was in a red velvet room with a white Welsh marble statue. Thorlak was there, holding a log. (laughs) He smiled, but before she could ask, the wife awoke, fully healed. Once upon a time, in the days of yore, when Iceland was struck by a great famine... And all good people were dying like flies, left and right. There, on a windy nest, a poor widow lived in a dusty old turf house with her flock of feeble children. One scrawnier and more malnourished than the other. Oh dear mummy, if we only had as much as an acrid piece of sausage between us, we might make it through the winter said the eldest, as he drew his final breath. Then, the second eldest spoke. Uh, uh, dear mummy, if we only had an old cut of shoe leather between us, we, we might just make it through the, the, the winter, said the second oldest, as he silently perished dear mummy, if only the wick of a cod liver oil lamp to eat, choked the third oldest as he dove headfirst into the hearth. That's it. I cannot take this anymore, said the housewife, as she got up, lit her cigarette, and stepped out into the yard. And no sooner did her eyes fall on the beach before she spied a nice fat seal basking cutely on a rock, fast asleep. "'I'm going to club that seal,' the widow said, reaching for her late husband's prized seal club. Now she moved towards the seal, and as she approached, she thought that the seal seemed rather large, rather larger than how it had seemed from a distance.' she was determined to club it, large or small. Then, when she came within striking distance, she noticed that the seal was rather large, much larger than she fought the second time around, but nonetheless, she was determined to club it, large or small. Then, she raised the club above her shoulders and bashed the seal with all her might. <laughs> Ooh! The seal let out an annoyed cry as it opened its eyes and raised itself against her. Now the widow fought. It looked much, much larger than she had fought before, much, much larger than her as it angrily rolled over and attacked her. Oh, by the grace of God, help me, Bishop Thorlac! she cried as the seal crushed her feeble body between his bloated flippers. No sooner had she called upon the holy Thorlach before the seal's powers waned and weakened and by the grace of God was docile once more. Now the widow raised her club for Thorlach and bashed the seal until it was dead. Hence the famous joke, a seal walks into a club. There was no shortage of blubber that winter, and if those damn little ingrates haven't had their fill, they're probably munching on that seal carcass still. In Lynn, in England, there once was an Icelander called Audun, who had fashioned an image in honor of the holy bishop Thorlac, and placed it there in the church. One day, an English clerk passed by, and asked Audun, "Who the image was supposed to represent?" "Why, it's an image of the holy bishop Thorlac," said Audun. "Saint Thorlac, huh?" More like St. Snorlack, if you ask me, said the clerk, as a mean laugh erupted from his hideous English lips. Is it true what they say about you Icelandic folk, that you love nothing on earth more than fatty sausages and laziness, asked the clerk. Who told you that, replied Audun. Well, I might have read it in a saga or two, the clerk chuckled. Well, I... I think you shouldn't believe everything you read. Now take that sausage nonsense and shove it up your- But before he had finished his sentence, the English clerk had already left. Smell you later, Sausage Lander. Shortly after, the clerk returned from the cookhouse with a large sausage in his hand and presented it before the image of St. Forlac. How would you like this, Sausage Lander? You're the sausage bishop said the clerk, mocking God's servant openly as he wagged the sausage dishonorably against his image. But then, when the clerk tried to run away, reveling in his blasphemy, his feet would not move, but stood as if nailed to the spot. And then, his fingers curled and twisted so tightly around the sausage that the grease shot out in either end. My hand, said the clerk. Auden stepped forward, and pointed at the clerk. Now, you know the true power of my saint, bestowed by God, saturated by divine grace for the goodness of Icelanders around the world. Now take it back. Take it back. No! Take it back. Take it take back. back. Take it take back. Back. Take take back. back. Take it take back. Back. Take take back. back. Take it back. The crowd cheered ecstatically. And then soon enough, as the English clerk was unable to move, he realized his faults and cried out in submission and repentance for the holy bishop Thorlach, who had witnessed his misdeeds and abuse and disrespect. I will never do it again, please, he said. Do what? asked Audun. I ask you, holy Thorlac, to spare this English sinner. And no sooner had he begged for forgiveness, before his hand loosened around the sausage and his legs were free to roam once again. And then all rejoiced and hailed Thorlac's name. Hail Hail. Thorlac! Hail! hail. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm all out of stories for this year. But would you like to hear what my favorite Thorlac miracle is? It is the one where I prayed for him to give me more patrons. And where he kills every single motherfucking listener. Who does not contribute. Don't worry. I'm just kidding. Anyway, if you want to support Brute Norse in a way that the gods can plainly see, why not do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash Pay it a visit, peruse its halls, and find a reward suitable for you. But if that feels like too much commitment, I also have a Teespring store with a wide range of t-shirt designs. But whatever you do, this podcast is one where I preach to the Invisible Choir. I don't actually know who my target audience is. So if you like my stuff, I would appreciate it if you share this podcast with like-minded people so I can reach the right crowd. Otherwise, you can drop me a line. Tell me what you like or don't like. Throw me a bone about a subject you would like to see tackled in the future. And so, as to not waste any more of your time, this has been the Brute Norse podcast. My name is Erik Soosen. And have a happy yuletide.